This is Fortify, the podcast where you will learn tips and ideas to help you fortify yourself, your family, and others within your reach. I am your host, Shannon Foster. Welcome back. In this episode, we are going to be talking about ideas to teach the gospel to your elementary aged children. In the last episode, we talked about teaching ideas for younger children. And then in the next episode, we will talk about ideas for teens. And I will just mention that it is a good idea to listen to all three of these episodes, even if you are not teaching one of the age groups, there will be ideas in each of them that you can use. So I have been excited for these episodes because I have been feeling a greater and greater urgency to help you nurture and fortify your families. And my team and I spent a lot of time really trying to figure out what kind of teaching will have the longest lasting effects and the most fortifying effects. And I know that not all lesson ideas are created equal and some things will really help your children digest the doctrines and stories better than other ideas. One thing I think is so good to remember is that it is so important that we teach by the Spirit. And I have come to learn that this is not just about what I say or how I plan a lesson, but also about what I am doing to give the Spirit as many opportunities as possible to teach my children. I always think about this quote by President Joseph F. Smith. He said, impressions on the soul that come from the Holy Ghost are far more significant than a vision. When spirit speaks to spirit, the imprint upon the soul is far more difficult to erase. And so I think about when I'm teaching my children at home or teaching others in a classroom, I always try to keep in my mind different ways that the spirit can communicate to them. I think so often we think of teaching by the spirit as meaning, what am I going to say that the spirit prompts me to say, but also I think it is helping our children or students be in a situation where they can have the spirit open their mind and reveal things to them. So it's not just what I am saying, but maybe a teaching opportunity where they are doing something where they're slowing down and a situation where the spirit can really communicate to them. So it's not always about what I'm saying. And so those are the kind of teaching ideas that I'm always trying to figure out. So here are 15 ideas that will help us achieve that important outcome. We want to create scenarios where the spirit can speak to our child's spirit and elementary age kids can absolutely experience this often. So the first idea in this episode is the same first idea in the last episode, and that is to warm your child's heart. If you think about athletes, they spend a significant amount of time warming up before they play a game or do their sport, or a singer warms up their voice before they perform, or a pianist warms up their hands. They all know how important the warm-up is, and we can apply this same principle when teaching our children. If their hearts are warmed, they are much more ready to learn and a warmed heart and a readied heart is one that the spirit can testify to and teach. So for example, let's pretend you want your child to learn about Moses parting the Red Sea. A cold approach may be calling my child to stop doing something they were already enjoying doing and telling them to sit down, 
while we read through the scriptures together. And then when we get through the story, I might ask some questions about what we just read. And so that is all great teaching, but the problem might be that they may have started reading a little upset because they had to stop doing something they were enjoying. And then they didn't understand what we were reading. And then they feel put on the spot when I'm asking them questions. Now, some kids may do fine in this scenario, but some may not. And so this may not be something their heart is warm to. And I just want to add, like, I love the scriptures. I I hope I've made that very clear. I love the scriptures. But my most ineffective way for me to comprehend them is to sit and read them in a public setting. Mm -hmm. If I'm sitting down and we're reading 10, 15, or 20 verses together, I won't get a whole lot out of that. You may be different than me, but your children might not be. They might be more like me. And it is so much better for me to focus on one, two, or three verses at a time and then stop and talk through them and try to bring those scriptures alive. And so another alternative to that first scenario I just gave that could be more heartwarming is to maybe tell them, hey, we're going to do scripture study together in 20 minutes. I just wanted to let you know so you're not interrupted. And then let's say we're learning about Moses parting the Red Sea, and maybe you start by showing them a video or holding up a piece of art, or you could start by asking a simple question like, what are some big miracles you know about? Or maybe that morning you may have used an Expo marker and written on your child's bathroom mirror a question like, what are some big miracles you can think of? Or Maybe you drew the Red Sea parting on their bathroom mirror. They'd get a kick out of that. And then maybe you wrote, tonight you're going to learn about this and I can't wait. Or maybe you just mention it as you drive them to school and tell them that you've been studying about Moses parting the Red Sea and you know that this story will really bless your family and you can't wait for them to learn about it. And then maybe you have your child draw a picture of Moses parting the Red Sea and then you could use it as your family learns a story. All of these ideas are super simple, but they all help the child warm up to learning about the story. It is like the prelude music to the story. And doing that can make a huge difference. We want them to come to the scriptures wanting to learn. It may, it might take a little extra time to do these kind of warm the heart things, but it pays off. And because the, the actual studying together will be so much more enjoyable and they're more likely to be fortified from the scripture story because their heart is open, it's totally worth that extra effort. Okay, the second idea is to help them be in the scriptures. Whenever possible, children should have their own set of scriptures that they can mark up and feel like they are their own. If your budget is tight and you live in an area with a Desert Industries or a DI, you can usually find lightly used sets there. Or on the church's online store, you can get a triple combination for around $10. And the Bible is a little more. Or you can find some at Desert Book. I don't love using the quad for children, um, where the Bible and the triple combination are all in one, just because I think it can be hard for them to manage a book that size. And I want my kids in the book, marking it and writing it. And the quad can be a little difficult for their small hands. And if you can't afford books for each child right now, you could try printing off some of the scripture pages for them to read. 
or so you can find PDFs online of the scriptures and just print those pages. Or you could have a family set and they could take turns reading and marking and making notes and everyone could read each other's notes. But being in the scriptures is so important and learning to read and understand scripture language is something that takes time and practice. So the younger they can start, the better. In our weekly kits, we have something called a scripture marking guide for kids. And we also have one for teens and they're made for their levels. And I want to tell you how I make those. And so you can learn the principles from how I make those. So there's one every week. And I know a lot of you use these. And the first thing I do is I write the study pages for our site. So that's the pages where I write all the commentary about the scriptures. And those are generally for adults. And so the scripture study pages are, that's my baby. That's what I spend the most of my time focused on. And so those are for adults and older teens. And then after I wrap my mind around the chapter really well, I choose something for the children to focus on in their scriptures that week. And I'll typically reference the Come Follow Me manual to see what the church has emphasized. And then I usually find that what I want to focus on is something they've also made, one of their main points. And, and then I just dive into that and I try to bring it alive in the scriptures for them. Then I start listing things for the children to do in their scriptures. And there are little check boxes they can check as they finish each thing. So for example, it might say, turn to Exodus chapter 14, verse 16. And then it will say something like, underline what the Lord told Moses to do. That is the scripture where the Lord told Moses to divide the Red Sea. So I might also say, draw a blue line like waves under the word sea. And then I might ask a question like, what do you think Moses thought when he heard that? Or it might say, rewrite the scripture in your own words or draw a picture of what the Lord told Moses to do. It's always different because the children need variety. But I really try to get them thinking about and feeling what is happening. I'll also slip in a lot of scripture skills in without them knowing. Like I will write the reference in different ways so they can learn how to read different kinds of references. Or I will have them looking at something in a chapter heading and then give them a brief explanation of what the chapter heading is. It's all really simple and subtle. So they can just pick up on things all of the time. But the most important thing I focus on each week is that the child gains confidence in the scriptures every week. Someone once told me that baby food is flavored, so parents like it, not necessarily the babies. And I don't even know if that's true, but I actually think about that principle all the time when I'm making these marking guides. I don't make them so you as the parent can look and see things underlined and circled in your child's scriptures. My focus is that you will be able to ask them questions at the end, and then they can talk to you about the story because they understood it. And if they understood it from the scriptures, now they're gaining confidence in the scriptures because they will know if they did not understand it. They will know if they just circled and underlined things. And inside, they will know they don't learn from the actual scriptures. And that could actually do harm since they might now tell themselves that they the scriptures are too hard to understand. So 100%, my goal is to help them on their level learn from the scriptures. And then the markings you will see in their scriptures are just bonuses. 
And that is a principle I think you can recreate in your homes, help them be in the scriptures, but make sure they understand them. This will usually mean you will need to go slow and cheer them on. Don't let them create the belief that the scriptures are too hard for them. Keep knocking that wall down. Okay, the third idea will actually help you with this. This idea will help your children learn to understand scripture language. And that idea is to help your child rewrite or explain a scripture in their own words. So you might read a verse or two and then say, okay, let's rewrite that scripture in language we would use today, or let's draw this scripture. Or if your friends asked you what that scripture meant, what would you say to them? The more you do this, the more they will begin to understand scripture language. So this is just a really good thing to practice and you can do it all the time and you can make it fun. You can have everyone rewrite a scripture in their own words and then everyone can share what they wrote. That could be a really fun family activity. And for young children, you can pair them with older family members until they feel ready to try it on their own. And one tip with that is to help your children apply the context while they're rewriting, rewriting the scripture. So let me give you an example of this. So let's say it's Exodus 14, 21. Okay, that scripture says, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all the night, all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. So I could just rewrite that exact verse in my own words and just recreate it in my own words. Or I could add some lessons I had learned from previous chapters. So this is an example of that. So I could rewrite that verse this way. And Moses, who originally did not believe that he was the right man to deliver Israel, but had learned that nothing was too hard for the Lord, listened to the Lord and obeyed with exactness. And he parted the Red Sea that before seemed like an impassable mass of water trapping the Israelites. So you can see that this is not necessarily me rewriting a specific verse, but pulling in lessons I am learning and connecting dots. And so as your children learn to do this, they could come up with some pretty powerful principles on their own. Okay, the fourth idea is to surround your children with pure truth. The Holy Ghost will testify of pure doctrine, and sometimes we might be tempted to make something too cute or too fun, and it might make it kind of foggy for our children to understand the plain and pure truths we are hoping we get from the lesson. Listen to what President J. Reuben Clark said in 1938. And when I was teaching seminary, I probably heard this quote 100 times. So speaking of the youth, President Clark said, you do not have to sneak up behind the spiritually experienced youth and whisper religion in, their, in his ears. You can come right out face to face and talk with him. You do not need to disguise religious truths with a cloak of worldly things. You can bring these truths to him openly. So, for example, if I want to teach my children about repentance, be very clear. It is okay to use an object lesson or a story or a handout or other things, but make sure they do not overshadow the pure doctrine we really want them to grab hold of and ponder. That is what will fortify them. For example, we were in seminary. We were always warned of not doing object lessons in seminary that were too sensational or distracting. An object lesson may be fun and exciting, but they also may be too loud. They may overshadow the lesson. 
If the student or our children remember the object lesson more than the lesson, then it can become a distraction. And so I always think of how Christ used objects to teach. Like he would use salt and light or a stone or a mustard seed or a fig tree or a farming analogy or the stars or the sand. Everything helped the learner understand on a deeper level the doctrine. That is the secret of using objects to teach pure truth. The truth should be understood better because the object opened their mind to understand and then they moved on past the object lesson. They didn't stay stuck on the object lesson or want to play with the object lesson. So not all object lessons accomplish that. Other ways to teach pure truth is to have your children state truth to you. Have them state what they know about Heavenly Father. And then after they do, add more truths for them to grasp. Be very clear as you state them and see if they can state them back to you. Another way to teach pure truth is to fill your home with sacred music. Words and phrases can become ingrained in them. Phrases such as, I know that my Redeemer lives, or fear not, I am with thee, oh, be not dismayed. These are things that can get stuck in their mind and come at the right time in their lives. Another way to teach pure truth is to have your children keep a scripture journal and have them list the pure truths they learn from a story or a chapter. And another way to teach is to testify openly and to tell them, I know this is true. And then tell them what you know. Testify often. The fifth idea is something I feel like I'm repeating a lot lately. But it is so important. For many children and youth, their primary gospel learning is either in a family or a church setting or a class setting. And all of those are really important, but I really want to emphasize the importance of a personal setting or what I've been calling at your own pace learning. Group settings are typically not at the pace of your children. They they need to work through and digest a doctrine or principle at their own pace, and classes don't typically provide that. If you've ever taught a primary class, you know that there are many factors that affect the pace you take in a class or what you can do in that class. The clock is a factor, or there may be some needs of other children that may be a factor, or social pressure. Your child might feel um, like maybe their friends didn't sit by them, so they're distracted by that. And so this is one reason that the home is the ideal learning environment. It is safe and there is no rush to finish. So truly understanding doctrines takes time and effort. It, that is a built-in thing. It takes pondering. Your children need time to digest and build upon their understanding line upon line. And that is another reason that scripture journaling can be so effective, by the way. It naturally slows them down and helps them work through doctrines and then they record what they are learning. So this is actually the sixth idea, help them keep a scripture journal. I am not going to say a lot about it here because I did two podcasts about it and you can really learn about scripture journaling in those podcasts. But I will just add this, your children are much more likely to keep a scripture journal if you also keep one. And not just because they see you and learn from your example, but because you will teach differently and you will teach in a more journal-centered way because you keep a scripture journal, it, you will naturally know better how to help them keep one. Okay, the seventh idea 
is to draw a lot. Drawing a story is such a powerful way for children to visualize a story and understand the story. So here's a few ways you could have them draw. So one idea is to put out a poster board and draw the story as a family. So as you read more and more about a story, you just keep adding pictures to your poster. It's really simple and it can just happen in the moment. Um, Another idea is to assign different verses to your family and ask them to draw those verses and then use everyone's pictures to tell the story. And then they can put them in order and you can move them out of order and see if they can use their own pictures to tell the story back to you. And then a third idea is to make a picture timeline. Draw a line for a timeline. And then on that line, draw pictures of things in the order they happened in. You could also do this with clay or Play-Doh. And my kids love creating scripture scenes out of Play-Doh. This um, idea can help them visualize. And anything that we can do to help them visualize and they enjoy is a great thing to implement with children. You could also have them create things out of blocks or Legos or other things or popsicle sticks. But not only will they be learning, but they'll be having fun. And that is an important thing for children. We don't want gospel learning to always be serious because children love fun and they highly value it. So we want to connect it to their gospel learning. The eighth idea is to use art. I talked about this in the last podcast too. Art is such a really powerful tool and I have found that it can invite really sweet conversations. If you use the study pages in our kids, you will see that I have started to add art for you in there too. So for adults. And so I've been adding oil paintings and mosaics and etchings and things that were created sometimes hundreds of years ago. And when I see those pieces of art, I feel connected to those who came before us and to gain strength from the same stories that are strengthening me. So here are some ways you can use art with your children. So find a piece of art that shows something your family is studying that week and hang it in your home. Let them see it day after day. And then the more they learn about the story, the more the art will mean to them. Many of you know that we have um, an artist on our team and she creates the most beautiful pieces of art and they always have deep meaning and symbolism in them. And we always include her inspiration behind the painting so you can discuss it with your family. And then a second idea is to find a piece of art and print it. And then have your children tape it on a window and place a piece of paper on top of it and trace it and then color it. Then the third idea is to use art in their scripture journals. And so episode nine talks all about how to do this. And this this is something I do every week with my children and how I use a lot of art when I'm teaching them. And then a fourth idea is to, if you use a piece of art to teach your family, you can write lessons on the back of that piece of art. So you can write goals or things that your family said you don't want to forget, or just you'll know how to use it over time, but it can become like a memento from your lessons. And you can keep all those pieces of art and what you wrote on the back and look through them. Okay. The ninth idea if you have listened to episode seven, you have lear- heard my tip to think like a coach. So coaches expect the unexpected. They know that no game is predictable and all sorts of obstacles can come up and they know that they will need to adjust to those obstacles. And that is why they will call a timeout. They are coming up with a new plan. And the same goes for us as we teach the gospel to our children. And one of those obstacles might be that you are experiencing resistance from your child. They might not want to study the scriptures 
just like they might not want to do homework or practice the piano or do their chores. So my ninth idea is to sprinkle magic in. I know that if I sense any resistance, it is time to sprinkle in some magic. And there are a lot of ways to do this. Like maybe I will need to sit down with them and really do an activity one-on-one with them. And during that activity, I'm not only teaching, but I'm doing all I can to warm their heart. I am building them up and I'm showing as much love as possible. My goal is to make this a really positive experience. Or another idea is I might say, there is a special tree under this dish towel for you after you learn about Moses or whatever they're studying. Or maybe I know I need to pull out a video to show them about Moses. Or maybe I turn on special music. Or maybe your child has an uncle that he really looks up to and your uncle sends them a text saying that he wants to hear all about what your child learned today. Or maybe they FaceTime grandma and grandpa as they study together. Or maybe another way to sprinkle magic in might be to say, I have a really special pen for you to use. And this pen is only to be used as you are learning about Moses. It is a special Moses learning pen. You can get really creative. Or maybe they get to FaceTime a friend as they study together. My daughter actually does this. Um, She's turning 10 and she has a couple of friends that she will FaceTime and they do some of their scripture journaling together. She loves doing that. And she, she counts down the minutes until they get to FaceTime each other and do that. Or maybe you say, okay, once you fill in this many pages in your scripture journal, or once you do this many marking guides, or once you learn about Moses and do this little lesson for our family, or then we will go to your favorite ice cream shop and you can even get the waffle cone or you know your children, you know what will work. And Or another thing I do is sometimes I'll go down the dollar aisle at Target and just grab different prizes and I'll put them in their own brown lunch sack. And they, I call them surprise bags because they can't see inside. And then after they reach a certain goal or do something I want them to do in their scriptures, then they get to open them and they have, because they've completed some of the scripture study goal that they had. So, but you get the picture, you know, your children and you know what will motivate them. And you could just keep a list of magical ideas and somewhere like I would probably keep it in my Apple notes on my phone. And so when you know that you need to sprinkle some magic, you can just look at your list and you can be open with your child about it and tell them that you understand that sometimes the most important things take effort and we don't always feel like giving that effort. And that's just a part of life and we all deal with it. So any rewards you are giving are just to help them and encourage them. And I think our children will appreciate that reasoning and it could be really beneficial to keep pointing out that the real reward is what they are learning and how they are growing okay the 10th idea is to let them teach the teacher always learns the most so letting them teach is putting them in a position for deeper learning and slowly building their confidence and learning teaching skills your family is a safe place for them to learn to teach and testify and the lord likely has big plans for them in their future. Our homes are the best missionary training centers. They are the best place for our children to learn to gather Israel. And you are helping gather Israel as you teach your children and help them learn to teach others. Teaching in the home can look like many things. It could be a situation where they are teaching your entire family as you're gathered together. 
It can also be them teaching a sibling. I often grab the illustrated stories from our kids, kids, and I have my daughter teach my son. And I think she does a better job than I do. She is so tender with him and he has learned to really respond to her when she is reading those stories to him. And so when those stories come out, he reacts as this is something I want to do because of past experiences. And what I love about this is that one, it helps me. And two, I can listen to her teach him and I'm able to observe how well she understands the story. And she'll often turn to me and ask me a question as she's reading. So she is learning as she is teaching. And I typically just have them sit at the counter while I'm making dinner or nearby while I'm folding laundry or something. So it's super helpful to me. And they are learning that children can teach because they can. Okay, the 11th idea is to pay special attention to praising them and showing them love during scripture study time. We want to help draw them to the scriptures and anything that invites contention in any way will inhibit not only the spirit, but also their desires to be there. And this can be an open conversation you have with your family. Siblings are going to fight. They're going to get on each other's nerves, but you can talk about how scripture study time is a special time and everyone needs to try their hardest during that time. And so also praising them as they study and focus on the scriptures could yield amazing results. Remember that it takes work to study the scriptures. And especially in our day, when there are so many things at our children's fingertips that are easy entertainment, we should praise their desire to work instead of reaching for the easier thing and helping them learn that they are capable of understanding and learning from the scriptures is so important. So cheering them on every day and recognizing not only their efforts, but also what they are learning. So just lots of praise, lots of kind words, lots of cheering them on. Okay, the 12th idea is to build your child's gallery. In episode two, we talked about building your child's um, art gallery. And I just want to mention that briefly again. And that is one of of the things I've gotten the most feedback from you about is how that has changed your thinking as you teach your children. So in that episode, we imagine going into each of our children's minds. And once we were in their minds, we were in an art gallery and upon the walls were frames of art. And in those pieces of art were things that influence your child, the things that um, they think about and the things that influence how they think and act. And so we talked about how important it is to have the scripture stories in those frames because those are the stories God has given them and those stories will truly give them the wisdom they need. And we talked about how those scripture stories will start as a simple sketch in their frames. But then over time, as they learn more about the story, more detail will be added There will be lights and shadows and textures and colors added over the years. So that piece of art will get more and more developed as your child grows and they continue to learn about the story time and time again, and especially as they have life experiences that relate to that story. And so we also talked about how your child's perspective on that piece of art will be different than any other child's perspective. For example, if we were talking about Moses parting the Red Sea, 
One of your children may focus on the massive miracle. Their piece of art in their gallery might show the walls of the water on either side of the Israelites as they walked through. Their focus might be that nothing is too hard for the Lord and he can do mighty miracles. But another child may be more focused on Moses and the staff in his hand. That child might learn that God might ask us to do really big things. I mean, Moses told the Lord that he was not the right guy to deliver Israel, but Moses went anyway. And now 10 plagues later, there he was in the wilderness parting the Red Sea. And then another child may have a picture in their mind of the Lord standing above the Red Sea. Their art may be totally focused on Christ and how he is capable of delivering us and that nothing's too hard for him. So as you can see, there are just many applications your child can take from a single story. And I think about this all of the time when I'm teaching my own children. I think about that gallery in their mind and helping them learn a story, but then I try to let them come to the application they are needing. The goal is to help unfold the story to them, and then the spirit can help them focus on something that they will need to have in their gallery for a future time. The 13th idea is to use media. There's so much good media that can supplement your child's learning and add variety. And we link to a lot of them in our kits. And there are short videos and longer videos and music and children really respond to those and it adds fun to their learning too. And we really sort through a lot of things and give you really great things to use. But I would also caution against using only media. It is a wonderful tool in your toolbox, but it is not the best tool. And it can be tempting to always reach for that tool because it can be easy. But our children really need time in the scriptures learning at their own pace. And we don't want their testimonies to be built on things from media. But we can use the media as wonderful tools. The 14th idea is for them to hear you talking about the scriptures and, and to hear you talking about them joyfully. If they hear you finding joy and wisdom and strength from the scriptures, they will learn that they too can find joy, wisdom, and strength from the scriptures. That is one reason the Come Follow Me program is so powerful. We are all studying the same thing. Before, different ages were studying different things, and seminary was always on their own schedule, and, but now we are all aligned, and that is so powerful. And think of what that must have took for the, script, for the church to align everything together, and what a gift that is. And it truly puts the home at the center of learning, and it makes it so much easier for us to be on the same page as our children and talk about the scriptures together. And talking about them joyfully is so important. For example, if I love Christmas and I talk about it and decorate for it and have fun traditions with my family and play Christmas music, it is just a joyful time. And then my children are likely going to have those same feelings about Christmas. And the same goes with the scriptures. If they see us loving the scriptures and working to figure them out and being strengthened by them and talking about them and rejoicing in them, then we can be the living, breathing example of what we hope they become. And they will notice that. And when they hit their own roadblocks, our examples can help encourage them. Everyone has to work to figure out the scriptures. Struggling through Isaiah is not unique to anyone. 
but the reward of figuring out Isaiah is hard to describe. Imagine the most beautiful view you have ever seen. That is Isaiah. But it might be difficult to get to that view, just like it might be difficult a difficult hike to get to a beautiful view. Isaiah takes work and real study and pondering. So if I were to say to my kids, Isaiah is too hard for me, then they might adopt that belief and say that Isaiah is too hard for them. Or if we say, remember that hike we went on that was hard, but when we got to the top, it was totally worth it. That is Isaiah. They will understand that. And our children will learn from how we talk about the scriptures. I think that is a really good thing to keep on our minds. Okay, the last idea is the same as the last episode, and that is to keep Christ at the center. This idea applies to every age from young children to adults. The truth is that every story in the scriptures is centered on Christ, but sometimes we can talk about the story without ever mentioning him or mentioning him very little. But he is always there. And the more we can recognize that, the more we will get to the heart of the story and the kind of application that will truly fortify our children. With our children, we can be constantly asking them questions like, how did Christ guide Moses? Or what can you do to hear the voice of the Lord like Moses heard his voice? Why would you want to hear his voice that clearly? What could happen if we all heard his voice that clearly? Or is anything too hard for the Lord? What is the Lord capable of? Or Christ has many titles. What title of his does this story teach you about? Or how does a story strengthen your faith in Christ? Or what does this teach you about Christ? The more we can tie things to Christ, the more fortifying that lesson will be. We will see how the Lord works among us. We will see his power. We will will learn more and more about his character and We will increase our capacity to hear his voice. Okay, that was a lot of ideas, and I hope you don't feel overwhelmed. I suggest that you choose one or two things that stood out to you and implement them in your own way. I'm always amazed how one good idea can move mountains. I always say that. But I always tell myself that my job is to become the expert at teaching my own children. And so that is what I'm constantly trying to figure out. And so some of these ideas may be perfect for your children and others you may want to pass on. Sometimes I think of teaching like going into a clothing store. I'm not going to buy everything in there, but I'm going to sort through things and find the things for my children they will like and will fit them. I'm not going to get something for them that is too big or too small or a pattern or a style they won't wear. So as you review some of these ideas we share, you could ask yourself what things will work for you and for your different children right now at their age, then try those things and see how they go and then adapt them as needed. Okay, I'll see you in the next episode where we will talk about some ideas to teach teenagers. See you then.